Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello and welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. By the way, Social Media Examiner is hiring. We're hiring for a new director of marketing. We're accepting applications till Wednesday, January 16th. And you can find the job description and other details at socialmediaexaminer.com slash job. By the way, I'm Eric Fisher. My co-host today is Grace Duffy. My guest co-host today is Amanda Bond or Bond. And this is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you. On today's show, we're going to discuss insights and research to reveal best practices for Facebook, LinkedIn, and more in 2019. And again, our special guest is Amanda Bond. Please share this if you're listening or watching live. By the way, this is brought to you by Social Media Marketing World 2019. Join 7,000 other fellow marketers at the mega conference designed to inspire and empower you. It's Social Media Marketing World 2019. Go find out more at smmw19.com. By the way, I want to remind you that all the links for this show will be in the Saturday post. You can find those every Saturday at socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. Facebook, let's start with this. Let's start with Facebook. And by the way, welcome to the show, Amanda Bond. Thank you guys for having me. I love hanging out. So I just stalk your show all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you guys think okay, about what that? What can I say? We're, we're fun. We're fun. Yeah. We, we tried. We try, at least, I should say. So let's get into this. Uh, Amanda, you're the owner of The Ad Strategist. And I mean, I, I love how this says that you are a fiery personality. I think everybody who's ever been around you knows this. But I'll, I'll confirm this. When you teach or when you lead in uh, exploring how to do Facebook advertising, like you're doing this mix of education and entertainment. And I think that'll come through today, obviously. So there you go. And you're speaking at Social Media Marketing World 19. So yeah, I am. I'm going to be speaking on Facebook advertising, ad sequences, plus all the organic tips and tricks to put them together so that all of your efforts are growing in the same direction. I am amped up for this presentation. Very cool. So, all right, let's get into our first segment here. So, BuzzSumo published, like literally within the past week, this thing they called the 2019 Ultimate Guide to Facebook Engagement. And essentially what happened is, is that the team over there, they do great research, by the way. I should, I should give them kudos when they do great work, and they always do. So, But they analyzed 777 million Facebook posts. That's a lot of posts. No biggie, find, right? No, right? Like to find the most engaging pages, brands, and videos from 2018. And then they're coming back with all these um, different basically predictions and or uh, pieces of information that you should go into 2019 with in terms of optimal post length, post type, posting times, and other tactics. Now, 
if there's one thing we can say is obviously people can tell you what to do and you can go to best practices, but like that doesn't mean, okay, take this report and run with it word for word and make it apply to you in having success in 2019. That said, don't ignore it either. And we're going to talk through some of this. So there you go. I'm, I'm just like giving you prayer hand emojis for that right now, <laughs> because actually I, when the article was published, I ended up reaching out to the author because I loved the fact that Buzz Sumo took that stance of here's the data from all of these millions of accounts. And instead of just saying like, this is exactly what you should do to get success. They took the stance to say, listen, you have to test it for your audience. You have to see what works for you, for your demographic and the people that you're creating a community around. Because, you know, there's a lot of success that is in the outliers. And those are the people that we should be studying not just looking at the the conglomerate of data and being like, oh yeah, that's how you get Facebook success because millions of those, hundreds of millions of those people aren't having success with Facebook. So we have to take that into account too. So let's go into what the report actually covers. So as outlined as the best types of Facebook posts, the best time of day and the best day to post on Facebook, uh, the optimal length of your Facebook video, the most common reactions to Facebook videos and what motivates people to engage on posts and what are the most engaging Facebook pages of the year. And then it also goes into how to analyze Facebook posts for your industry and competitors. Because as you were saying, like a lot of this stuff, they've said, this is what works for most, but not all. And it is, there's a huge emphasis on, this is just a starting off point. We're, we're going to tell you how to measure and test for your own results. So I really do appreciate that part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. So are any, is it, Amanda, I'm going to let you take the lead a little bit here. Uh, options galore. Any of these stand out to you as kind of the most important pieces that people would want to pay attention to? I mean, when I first read it, the thing that stood out the most was the examples of engaging pages. We could look at the data all day, but if you don't see it in practice, it's hard to really understand what is working and why. So I really like the ending sections, like Grace said, about how to analyze it. That was the most important element of it. But then I did enjoy, I think it was Mari Smith who chimed on on the best types of Facebook posts, because that is something that has definitely changed over the years. One thing I think that they forgot to include was status update posts mm. because it was always including a video or an image or some type of poll, like an action that wasn't only text. So that was the only thing that I would have wanted to see included in the report. Yeah. And I can say from 2018, one of the things that we did over time was gradually post almost no links of our own content, our articles, they're still there, by the way, in case you, you know, in case you're not looking, we've got almost literally daily articles from social media examiner. We're just not posting link posts as often. But one of the things we saw more significant uh, engagement with our community with was those status updates. We're feeling excited or we're feeling, or we're at, feeling curious is one I used a lot because I was asking text-based questions about current, you know, like, Hey, Instagram did this. What do you think? They flopped or they, you know, whatever. And those were the ones that, and, and that's funny that they don't really even include that. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to as an option. And I don't know why. 
It, yeah, well, I maybe it's because it's a very personal thing to do. If you think of your personal page, status updates was the first thing that we ever were able to post on Facebook. So that's just a, a correlation that's not making the connection along the way. Yeah. By the way, I want to say it was literally a year ago today. Newsfeed apocalypse. I yeah. mean, however you want to interpret that. We, we, I won't go into it, but basically major newsfeed change. Boom. Now you're going to see more friends and uh, engagement, et cetera, for those types of posts only. And I think one of the greatest things that I saw somebody say was, I just decided to start treating my page as a personal profile which is the opposite of how a lot of marketers start out. They're like, they use their profile as a page. And don't, anyway, you can't friend a page. Um, oh, the good old days. But what I'm getting at here by how they were treating it was they were acting and creating content and writing status updates as if they were a human asking other humans, not a brand broadcasting things. And it was like, it was in December at some point, I asked a question in one of those posts and somebody said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. There you go. Great reaction. Yeah. So to, to leave that out as not even an option of a post, I think what it means is in theory, I don't know if this is hundred percent true, but BuzzSumo doing this report, they weren't coming across pages mm. doing that many of those types of posts as if people weren't thinking of that as an option. So, yeah. So does that mean that there's more opportunity with it? Because I know I so. from what I know to be true in my own social media, when we do status updates, it just really gives your community a new way to connect with you. And speaking of the one year anniversary of Facebook apocalypse, that update was all about prioritizing connection, community, and conversation. So I love that this report really drives that home. It is all about engagement, and it's the engagement that is going to lead to more reach. And all of the examples near the end, the analysis is really about finding the elements that get that engagement. Because like Eric said, it's about being social. It's about being a human, not what we call a spammy McMarketerson on your <laughs> Facebook page in 2019. Well, there's some great quotes from some of uh, the speakers from social media marketing world, including Mike Stelzner in this. I would love to cover some of these. Um, so let's go back to what Mari Smith said. So I'm going to, I'm literally going to read uh, a quote here. She says, rather than increasing the volume of your Facebook posts to try and get re more reach and engagement, sorry, instead Publish fewer posts and focus on the ROI of each individual post. Now, here's her recommendation. My recommendation content type ratio for 2019 is 70% video posts, 20% image posts, and 10% link posts. Video and image posts can still include links and calls to action. What do you think about this? I mean, I'm I'm loving, especially the opening of it. Instead of just doing more of what's not working, let's figure out how to be engaging, go quality over quantity. And then the second half, that's the recommendation based on her data and her stats. So like the report says, like BuzzSumo reminds us, just make sure that that is true for your community as well. Don't just turn to experts and be like, okay, perfect. This is exactly what we're going to do. 
go to the bottom of the post, learn how to analyze it, and then see, oh, is the 70% video post, 20% image, 10% link, what my audience wants to see and how they best engage with me? If not, just make little tiny tweaks. It's a great benchmark to get started with, and that's what's important. You take action and then analyze it after. So in other words, take her percentages here and tweak them as necessary for your yeah. page. And but by you have the way, to take again, action on it first, right? Like if you're yes. not, if you don't start yes. posting any percentages, you're not going to have the data to know what percentages to change it to. Well, and we were talking about status update posts and that's not even one she mentions. And that could be 10 to 15%, which then inches out, you know, percentages from other places in the, you know, the pie chart. So, yeah. uh, Dennis, you, uh, from blitz metrics, he's got a great one here. So he says shorter, more frequent bits of video content is how consumers prefer to share with each other. No wonder that Facebook encourages us as marketers to do the same. That's interesting because I know that Facebook also is kind of like, Hey, go all in on live video, which don't typically like a live video. When I, when someone says live video and there's a lot of confusion in this, but there's this connotation that live video means long form video. Mm. That's not necessarily true, but you can see where the confusion lies because somebody goes live, waits for people to show up, yes. then gets into their content, mm -hmm. then talks for a while. And, and you've got a half an hour, like even, I mean, Michael Stelzner and I went live earlier this morning and we could have kept going and we stopped at 12 minutes. We could have gone because there's this swell of no one's there at right at first. Then there's people there. Then people start asking questions and making comments and you want to keep going when, when instead, like you may want to just kind of ramp down then. I don't know. Yeah. And Mike is quoted in this as saying, because people in this report, because people tend to spend less time on Facebook, shorter videos for on the go consumers is where everything is heading. Yeah. And that's kind of that kind of goes in with, you know, his prediction that we actually went live about this morning. His prediction is included in our predictions article, which you can find at socialmediaexaminer.com or go to our Facebook page and you'll find the video of him talking about it with me there. So let's see, is there anything else major that we really want to make uh, call out or, or, you know, shine a spotlight on in terms of this report? Because again, kudos to Sumo for doing this and for having the proper perspective and sharing how to have that proper perspective of their report. One of the things uh, I found curious, yeah. Eric and uh, Gracie, was the fact that the most engaging posts of the year, there wasn't business posts in them. I know a lot of our users talk you know, B2B content. So they're in that marketing world, but the content pieces that get the most reach are really niching in and appealing to the demographic that they're going after. And then they're using content in a way that engages people, that gets them, you know, it has psychological hooks to keep them watching. And as marketers, one of the things that I really hope to see more of in 2019 is the B2B crowd taking cues from those popular pages. Like why is their content so popular? How can we make content that's relevant, but also entertaining, educational along the way that spurs people to share them at the end of the day, right? Like if this report is telling you, hey, Facebook's not necessarily setting you up for success because the reach is down. How can we really take the arsenal of tools that we have as social media marketers and bring that to the table with what these reports are saying to get better results this year and beyond? Yeah, I agree. Well, let's just let's just put it this way. Facebook had a difficult year in 2018, right? Like they came out of the gate 
swinging. Actually, it started in 2017 where where Mark actually ironically we'll get to in a second said started talking about quote fixing facebook at the end of 2017 most people don't even remember he said this then we come into 2018 and they announced the big newsfeed changes and then start getting into pr things that we won't really go into right now all year long and kind of the confidence from not only the consumer side of things but the marketer side because of the consumer side uh, kind of was shaken a little bit last year. Um, I'm curious to see, Amanda, what you think about how these best practices, as well as your Facebook ad perspective and how effective those are, plays into 2019 and the way that marketers should be moving forward in terms of Facebook. Yeah, well, I'm going to tease uh, Mike and I actually just recorded a podcast episode released on February 1st. So I'm going to pre-tease that this is part of the topic there. I saw in Q4 a lot of dollars being moved off of Facebook, which Ooh. that was the first time I was like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there are people that are exploring other platforms and they're moving hundreds of thousands of dollars to other platforms. So, you know, if I'm seeing that on a little micro scale of where my vision is in the industry, I can only imagine what's happening on a grander scale for companies moving to places like Pinterest or um, just different, uh, I can't even think of what it's called now, Outbrain, I think is an example of yeah. you know media that's purchased and bought on different websites. The options are very vast where we can spend our media buying dollars. And so with the stock price that plummeted last year, a lot of people are still in that, we don't know what's happening with Facebook world. So they're starting to slowly just make little shifts, which this actually is an opportunity for us marketers because we're seeing the CPMs start to come down just a little bit. So like ad costs were rising when the inventory was so hard to get. And now because those ad budgets are Taboola, somebody just mentioned, like those ad budgets are moving to Outbrain, Taboola, Pinterest, LinkedIn. We're slowly starting to see those CPMs come back down paired with its Q1 and no longer Christmas and Black Friday, right? Yeah. So it's been a fascinating few months and I'm just loving what I'm seeing with marketers because they're thinking bigger picture. Facebook used to be like the easiest way to get traffic, especially through direct response marketing. And it's almost like brands are having to mature as the platform evolves. So I, I did mention uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh personal challenge or his kind of declaration of fixing Facebook back at the end of 2017. Uh, in a moment, we're going to get into his quote, new personal challenge, which again, I don't know that this is necessarily news that marketers need to dwell on. And yet I think we as marketers can look at it through our marketing lens. But before we close out on this seg this little piece of this segment, I should say, let's say this, uh, basically, if you want to take a look at the, the article, that we're talking about, this report, I should say, more specifically. Uh, we'll have the link to it in the show notes for this episode. Again, it's socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. That's where you'll find every Saturday's uh, show notes and article and links for everything we we mention in here, uh, including all our guests. So, Mark Zuckerberg. Let's talk about Mark. <laughs> Let's talk about Mark, baby. I can't wait to hear Grace's um, opinion on this. <laughs> 
so Grace, actually, let, let I'm going to let you start because you know so much about this, and you have a lot of interesting things to to share. So, oh my goodness, I don't know about interesting. Just do my job. <laughs> so, Mark Zuckerberg does an annual New Year's resolution post on his personal uh, profile page, right? So, this year's challenge is, and I'm going to quote this: to host a series of public discussions about the future of technology in society the opportunities, the challenges, the hopes, and the anxieties. And he plans to hold these public talks uh, with different leaders, experts, community members over the next few weeks on a variety of formats and different platforms. So he does mention Facebook and Instagram. And then in there, he also says we might be looking at other platforms. I'm curious what those other platforms would be, you know? (laughs) WhatsApp, maybe. WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So probably probably not Periscope or I don't know maybe yeah. I don't know so <laughs> looks like he's going to diversify his uh, posting as well so <laughs> so I think what this does is it kind of shows you the state of all right here's the head of Facebook where is his head at at the beginning of 2019 after 2018 and everything we went through with that like where is he coming from and where is he heading towards in 2019 and this hosting public discussions and the future of technology in society and opportunities, challenge, hopes, anxieties. Like those are all very, I don't know. They're not, they're not very concrete words. It's almost more like, Hey, let's, I mean, it, it brings to mind all of these like screen time and some of the other ones The Instagram came out with showing you how long you're spending mm. time on Instagram, yeah, you're, uh, you're. which is a Facebook property. Like it's the, it makes me think of those kinds of things. It also makes me feel like it's a PR stunt. Yeah. Right. Well, like, yeah, of course. Well, and you I, also have to look at the transition of where this started. So he started doing this in 2009. So 10 years ago, And his personal challenge was to wear a necktie every day. (laughs) And then after that, it was learn Mandarin. It was like only eat animals that he himself has killed. I I don't, 2011 was was a weird year. It was a weird year. (laughs) And then then he gets back to his personal goals of like, you know, writing a code, writing code every day, meeting a new person every day. Like these are all very cute and charming hobbies for a young billionaire and then you see in 2016 that it takes a huge to your point eric that it it takes a huge pr stunt where it's like build an artificial intelligent home assistant like iron man's jarvis yes and then the following year came all of the scrutiny behind the elections politics data breaches and then his goal became visit all 50 states that where he meets and talks to new people, right? Mm -hmm. And then last year was fix Facebook's problems, you know, which was all very generic. So I kind of want him to keep going with last year's. Like go back and continue the fix Facebook thing, right? Like even this morning, I'm just going to call this out, I guess. I'm sorry. This is is almost like a semi-hate on Facebook show, but it's not meant to be that way. But even this morning after, like, like I said, Mike and I went live, comments don't work you can't hit reply and have then a comment be threaded it's like down below and then you got to go like in other words live video for as important as it is like the comments just are jacked up you can't hit reply on things there's been like i mean we can list off some of the other things that we see in the social media marketing society people are like i'm trying to tag this person in a facebook post and it's not working and we're friends or it's the page i own or or, like all these micro frustrations not to mention the big ones 
which we won't even go into. It's like, really? Like, Mark, let's, I, I get it. We can talk about the role of technology in society, et cetera, et cetera, which you've kind of purported the past 10 plus years or more with this, your thing being the new AOL, but the new AOL. On the flip side, though, like Mark's not the one that's going to be coding those things and fixing those bugs. So, no. you know, it doesn't have to be one or that's the true. other. They're still working on fixing Facebook. And I like literally we all have professions because these yes. platforms exist. So we have to give kudos where kudos is due. And I do think that this year's challenge is still tackling the fix Facebook because I mean, did you see the episode of John Oliver last week tonight where it talked about some of the international problems with Facebook? Like they I need did. to have these conversations. They need to know where we're going because they're pioneering us there along the way, whether we want to admit it or not. Right. Like think of all of the data that we as individual users give up on a daily basis. And we are the ones that are giving permission by saying yes to the terms of services, by saying, yes, I'm going to spend time here. And so I think it is his responsibility to show up in a way that's leading that change while also championing, that's a hard word to say, championing <laughs> all the bug fixes and all the little minutia that happens along the way. So I'm personally amped up about this. As we saw the stock price, you know, I've mentioned that before, plummet yeah. last year. It's slowly like, you know, it's it's going back up and down, but it's nowhere near the high that it was before. So I just think it's a good move instead of, well, like what Grace said, instead of saying like, this is the year I'm not going to wear flip-flops seven days a week. <laughs> it's it's time to actually realize that your platform changes humanity. <laughs> and by the way, it's not Grace's actual resolution or whatever you want to call it. Or Mark's. Nobody's so, resolution is that. Um, that uh, Amanda, that's I, I, I want to actually commend you on spinning it in a positive light because that's hard to do. Um, with all of the things that we've been talking about with Facebook over even just now, but also in the past year. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to, to look at it and say, look, um, on a macro level, only someone at the head of some of these companies is going to be able to start to steer this conversation specifically about their own company, sure, but also kind of residually for the others. Uh, is only is that That's the way it's going to happen. Yeah. So. I mean, think of what we do as marketing professionals, as educators, we're sharing and disseminating this information and somebody's going to hear it and they're going to go take a different action because of it. So if we had the reach and influence and impact of Zuckerberg, think of how many more changes that we can make good or bad in this world. So, I mean, it's, it's such a platform that he has. I'm glad that it's evolving to a little bit more of a mature challenge of let's deal with the company, but also how it interacts with humanity at large. Yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah. So here's the deal. Like we've got, we've got a whole bunch of other smaller, like factual based news stories, not just, Hey, here's a report or here is Mark. Hey, Mark Zuckerberg said something so we can stop. <laughs> so we can start going into some of these uh, other pieces of actual news here um, and get our takes on it. Kind of see, you know, what's, what's important about this. So, but before we leave Facebook, there is a piece of news about that specifically. So this is a Facebook has been releasing a new set of call to action stickers for page Stories. So it's Facebook stories for pages, call to action stickers. 
essentially businesses can now prompt viewers to do some of the, you know, things that you're used to businesses saying, like shop now or get directions or book now. Um, and they, you can literally tap those and have them basically mirror that functionality that we're already kind of used to from a pages uh, header, different pieces there. So I think this is actually pretty cool. I don't know that I'm seeing a lot of businesses uh, use pages though. Sorry, sorry, stories. Yes. It's funny, Eric. Did you just say Facebook gave pages the opportunity to be spammy McMarketersons? I think yes, they did. I think that's what this feature is. No, Maybe. <laughs> um, I, I like it from a business perspective. It gives you the option essentially to do the same actions of the swipe up over on Instagram without having to have 10,000 followers. So mm-hmm. new accessibility for businesses. Hopefully they use it for amazing, unique and fun things, but... We don't know if that'll happen. Well, I like the focus on the immediacy of it because as if you look at each of them, it's book now, shop now, call now, get directions now, you know? So, and as you're going through something, I mean, that's why I end up buying a ton of stuff off Instagram because it's like, shop now. Okay, I will. Thanks, you know? Perfect. So, like, you know, I'm if in that moment. So. If you know, here, can I Apple pay it? So... So I, I like that it does focus on, it does handpick the things that people would want to do immediately. Like if I saw a business and I'm like, oh, there's a new donut shop. Where are you? you know? Yeah, it's good. And it just makes stories more dynamic too, right? Yeah. So, and useful. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with that. Again, like Grace, like I will, act, I have actually made purchases off Instagram stories. I never thought that would be the case, but it's happened. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm there and I'm going you know, through my stories. And I sound like an old lady. It's my stories. I got to go watch my stories. Um, You're telling <laughs> yes, my telenovela. And, uh, but I come across something that looks really interesting and I'm like, Oh, learn more. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, I have to have this. Like this is, this, this just, it's, it sold me. I don't know why, but, uh, but again, I'm, I'm still curious um, about the, potential for that on Facebook. It's almost like it's a different network in that sense. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think as social media managers, if you're if you're a social media manager for a brand, now that they have these call to action stickers, you now have a little bit more of a case to maybe say, okay, let's let's create some stories-based content when before it could have been a harder sell to say, okay, why would the brand even test this out? If we can't drive sales, if we can't get people into the store. So for social media managers and marketers, it could just be like, oh, a new fun feature, but that could also drive ROI. Getting something in front of you visually is all you need because think about food cravings, like order now, like, and it's an amazing whatever. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say it because then I'll get hungry for it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Let's go on to, uh, wow, we've got some Snapchat news. By the way, before we go there, I want to say this podcast, this show, whatever you want to call it, is brought to you by Social Media Marketing World 2019. Find out more at smmw19.com. Right now, as we record this, it is Friday. We have a sale ending every Friday. You want to make sure that you, if you don't already have your ticket, you get in on that. Um, I will ask you, actually, Amanda, real quick. You were there as a speaker last year, and you're going to be there again this year. What would you say to somebody who's never been and why they should be there this year? 
The networking is insane. I have to say there were so many people that you see on the interwebs and that you know from text-based conversations and from messenger conversations, but you actually get to hug them in person and have that human connection. It was just such an amazing week to like get off of your phone and look people in the eyes and say, I love you. Thank you for everything that you do in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I'm looking forward to it again. We all are. We, we can't help but say it because it's like Christmas. It's like summer camp. It's like the Super Bowl. It's like for, for social media marketers and all of us who have already met each other and met our people, but also those who have not yet met their people. It's us. Come be there. SMMW19.com. We are your, we are your people. people. Come be come be with us. So, okay, weird pivot, but let's go from Facebook to Snapchat and Snapchat talking about why they're the network people feel happy about using. <laughs> That's the headline, Eric. That's just yes. So, well, Snapchat Business partnered with a company called Murphy Research to conduct a study of more than a thousand app users between the ages of 13 and 45, right? To learn about which apps they use, when they spend time on each of them, and how each of them make, makes them feel, right? So the research suggests or people's different moods and emotions are impacted by which social media platform they are using. And not surprising. <laughs> Snapchat is associated with happy feelings, playfulness, silliness, whereas YouTube captivates and entertains. And it goes into each of the other platforms, like it mentions YouTube, I'm sorry, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, into you know what feelings people go to. But more importantly for us as marketers, it also tells you where people are going to get each type of content, right? So it says Snapchat is People go there for conversations with close friends, more, maybe more that private messaging, playing around with filters and lenses. Uh, Twitter, you know, people go there to get current events, breaking news, you know, and so you'll see that. Um, we're planning to talk about Twitter next week, but they're doing a lot to cash in on people's interest in breaking news and events, right? Live events. YouTube is for learning about new products, topics or interests. You tend to gather around, create a community around a certain topic or, or hobby or or fascination, right? Uh, Facebook is for keeping up with friends and family uh, events. And then people are on Instagram because they're looking at influencers and they're interested in celebrities. Now, that's just in general, but it is interesting that that's what the study's findings were. And of course, 95% of Snapchatters say the app makes them feel happy more than any other app tested. So these are hardcore snappers, <laughs> apparently. So, sorry, quick poll. Who here uses Snapchat currently in any way? Not me. I'm not a Snapchat user. Crickets. Mostly crickets. So I guess we're not happy. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think what it is, though, is like the stuff that I would get out of Snapchat, I get elsewhere partially mm -hmm. because they've been, quote, stolen. And I, I mean, I, I guess I think that it was maybe I, in a weird way. I think Snapchat was ahead of its time and was never fully adopted because it was kind of taken over or and or the, the there was already too many apps as it was. And, you know, I mean, I remember people were super excited about Snapchat. Remember the year of Snapchat? Which year yeah. was that? 2015, maybe 2016, early 16. I don't know, but it kind of came and went in terms of when we were talking about Snapchat, like hardcore as a social media marketer. And that's not to say that there's not good marketing that's actually happening on Snapchat whatsoever. Anyway, 
I don't know what. (laughs) One of the things that I found interesting about the study, well, first off, let's just acknowledge it was commissioned by Snapchat. So, of course, you know, we have to take that into account. But if you look at the five platforms that they analyze, the two that had the most negative responses were Twitter and Facebook, which think about think about the actual format of those platforms. They're very text based. They're very um almost ranty in a way that you can just, if you have a bad experience, you can go rant about it quickly on Twitter or Facebook while these other platforms, you know, you're not going to necessarily go live on YouTube to rant unless YouTube is already your home, right? And users aren't searching for ranty type content on YouTube. They're putting in specific search terms and finding the content that is essentially custom from them but same with like instagram or yeah instagram and snapchat snapchat you have a lot of your friends there so it's a very personal platform and then instagram if you have a bad experience you're less likely to take a picture of it and create a caption for it even though it's similar to facebook like posting a picture on Facebook. It's just a different way to behave on each platform. So I can understand why there's a little bit more negative opinion about something like Facebook or Twitter, just because they're just so natural for us to share every range of emotion that we have over the spectrum. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's some great insight. I hadn't thought about the ease of use when it comes to negative experiences for some of these versus others. As you were saying that, it's like registering like, no, you're right. Like I'm more likely if something's, I mean, if I have a complaint about something, like I'm probably going to tweet it. Yep. First instantly before every other one, right? <laughs> to the brand with their, yes. with their label and their hashtag, right? Yep. I have done so. Yeah. But not, I, not I mean, I'm not going to go to Instagram like create and curate a photo to then share about this negative experience. And we have very different priorities for Instagram. So if there's something, you know, for example, Twitter advertising, they had charged us for a campaign that we had turned off. And so I went to customer service and I'm like, okay, you don't have an actual private customer service. So you have to tweet at Twitter advertising customer service. So I'm like, I need to get in contact with somebody. So here's my bad experience. You charged me $40 more than for a campaign that we turned off and you magically turned it back on. So that's where we go to air our customer service concerns. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to Snapchat, this study again by Snapchat or, or funded by Snapchat, commissioned by Snapchat, obviously is going to have a Snapchat bent to it, positive light, but it's not completely wrong either. It's definitely, there's definitely some truth in this report. So. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I thought was really fascinating near the end of the report, it goes into why Snapchat is great for advertising in particular circumstances. So as advertisers, local ads might be ideal for Twitter because if your user base is on the go, AKA if people are coming into your physical store, they're showing that at, during that time, Snapchat is the platform most in use. So why not take advantage of the foot traffic by targeting people around, I think beaches and bars were some of the things that you could target in a local vicinity um, or just putting in like a, a geographic area. So I just thought that there was some good insight as to how do we action what you're telling us here in the report. Yeah. Yeah. 
And there's uh, a lot of actionable stuff on there. I mean, it go it goes into specifics of what people are what people do on there and what they're looking to do and what kind of information that they're looking for. Um, I was going to ask Amanda. Well, previous year on Facebook, we saw an emphasis on well, and on all platforms, but um, an emphasis on groups, right? So, how do you think that people? engaging more on Facebook within individual groups and then also private messaging, how we should be reacting to Facebook as marketers. Yeah. So I'm going to 100% have a biased marketer standpoint on this answer. So I just want to call that out. Yeah. I'm calling that out. I've done a lot of data analysis on using groups for business purpose. And when it comes to turning group members into customers, the data doesn't support the use of groups because what happens is like you're gating the content. You can, if you have a thousand people in a group, you can only talk to a thousand people versus taking the exact same time and attention and resources that it takes to curate a group and give voices to you know, the community that's there, if you shifted that to another platform where you can curate more of an open-ended community, you give yourself opportunity for it to be ungated and therefore shared outside of your current reach. So I just wanted to give that little insight as to why I'm not a huge fan of groups. But Mm -hmm. as from like a user perspective, a group is more of a safe space because it can be closed to those members only. So it does facilitate deeper connection than a lot of other platforms. And I mean, really think about YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. They don't really have great community functionality. So I got to give groups prop for really being able to cultivate a community if that's the right move for a brand or a business to actually curate that community of non-paying customers. Right. And we saw a lot of investment into groups this last year. I yeah. mean, features, new tools. I mean, it was every every few months we were reporting on another group feature, right? Yeah. So, actually, two years ago, so 2017, we saw a little micro trend of a lot of people, a lot of uh, educators in the social media space shutting down their Facebook group because of the time, energy, resources, bandwidth mm-hmm. it takes to, to hold space for that much activity, right? Because it's not only your posts and your page, but your curating community. And I mean, when you give people a voice, you don't know what's going to come from that. So as a, as a group where you have rules and regulations, it takes a lot to really patrol and make sure it stays on intent of, of what the group's all about. So I thought that was fascinating. I actually shut down my own group during that same time period for Mm -hmm. many of these reasons. No. And now to tie it back to our first segment, now people, now brands can put that energy into their pages, right? Yes, like they can. And engagement and, and what people are doing and what they're saying and ad, customer advocacy, like put that all in your pages, people. Do it. It's, it's actually very, it's very easy to treat your page like you would a group. Encourage people to have conversation, ask open-ended questions, tag in at different people and connect them. And all of a sudden your page starts taking on this little life of its own. And that is the thing, going back to the BuzzSumo report, that those top examples from the year do so well. They really encourage people to talk back and forth and create that connection and conversation. So that's a major lesson for us there. 
focus on the page, focus on ungating the content, and then focus on creating a community around what you're, you're here to do with your business work. Right. Interesting. Okay. So speaking of pages, LinkedIn published a best practices for company pages. I don't know. Is it a report? Is it a, is it a brief? I don't know. Anyway, it's a guide. Let's put, let's call it a guide. And uh, basically, by the way, LinkedIn rebuilt company pages from the ground up in 2018 and they started rolling out new, the new experience. And so now they're coming out with this. Here's how to do LinkedIn pages the best way possible. And um, yeah, I, th- I think this is interesting. I don't know. I've seen a whole lot of things that I didn't already kind of know or consider necessarily, but right. mostly become, because we're coming from being so active with trying to figure out how to make a page, a Facebook page work. So it's like LinkedIn page, like there's less functionality there. It can't be more, <laughs> can't be harder, can it? I don't know. Anyway. Well, it curated, uh, LinkedIn curated the best LinkedIn pages from 2018. So if you use that as a guide, it also gives you tips on what to post, what to include, how to make the most of video, which they recently, relatively recently rolled out, right? Another rich media. And then it also, there's a section at the bottom of the article that talks about how to analyze your information and insights from LinkedIn and how to make the most of it. So, I mean, you can find this in the uh, LinkedIn Marketing Solutions site under the tab for LinkedIn pages. So it's, I think it's the most recent article on there and it's, uh, it's pretty helpful. I mean, especially if you're such as people are looking to get more traction on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, right now they, they're saying that I don't actually use LinkedIn that much myself, but they're saying that the organic eyeballs that you're able to get over there was similar to the earlier days of Facebook on the business side. So that's yeah. something to pay attention to. And think about it. If you take the LinkedIn report, if you take the BuzzSumo report, if you look at them both, you're going to be able to glean a lot of hey, you know, here's what we should be focusing on for the year to actually drive ROI for the business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, One last thing before we close out the show. So Pinterest also released a 2019 seasonal insights guide. There's that word again, Pinterest. Uh, This guide essentially gives a a range of stats and data that gives you like the latest platform uh, usage trends on Pinterest. And so it kind of cues you in on the 2019 approach and how to tap into using Pinterest. Yeah, it's literally a month by month printable planning guide that um, tells you what content to post based on what's being searched at that time of year. So it's things like back to school, Easter, Mother's Day, that kind of stuff. But then it also notes what search terms pinners are actually using to look for this content. So you could build content around the, those search terms, right? And especially around big life moments like weddings or, or having babies or buying cars or retirement. I mean, so it's um, a little bit of everything for every type of industry, I think. So um, you can find that at Pinterest business blog, which is business.pinterest.com. And I think they publish this see, like once a year, right? So this is just happens to be the so. For 2019, right? So, yeah, I, I think so. I don't fully remember it before, but it's kind of ringing a bell. Yeah. We, we found the, uh, so. the 2018 version of it not too long ago. And one thing that I find so fascinating about Pinterest as a platform annually, you can actually have content go viral. I have a friend that says like every year from this date to this date, we have this pin that just goes gangbusters, right? And so if you're content planning, if you're using Pinterest, which, you know, is similar to curating content like you would for search engine optimization, right? Like 
it's going to be a great way to say, here's what we need to focus on for the year. Here's how we can plan it out so that once those humps like holidays come around in the year, you are best poised to take advantage of that. Because as I dive more into that Pinterest world, I'm realizing that it's very long-term content approach that you have to take over there because people consume it in a very different way. And a lot of the times they're searching for the specific things. So why not use the data that Pinterest is literally handing you in that guide? Very cool. All right. Well, that is our show. That is our first show back. We will be here every week from now through to the conference, which then we won't have one because it'll be the conference. But uh, Amanda, we'll see you then. I'm sure we'll see you before then as well. Um, but before we let you go and say goodbye to everybody, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Absolutely. Come hang out with me on my Facebook page. Hey, that's a theme of the day. You can find that at facebook.com forward slash the ad strategist. Or if you want to read up more on Facebook advertising in the current state of the union, head on over to my blog at theadstrategist.com forward slash SME. Awesome. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being a great guest co-host. Uh, I want to say special thanks to Jeff C for handling simulcasts, uh, Grace Duffy for being co-host and show producer. And thank you, Eric, for being an excellent co-host. <laughs> thank you again, Amanda Vaughn, for being an excellent guest co-host today. And uh, I think you'll be joining us for the uh, tweet chat this coming week as well, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. By the way, so let's let's make sure to mention that. So we have a tweet chat every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. The hashtag is SME chat. And Amanda will be gracing us with her presence again this week. So that will be awesome. Uh, we got a bunch of fun conversation and things to, to talk about. So join us for that. And uh, let's see, join us for Social Media Marketing World 2019. Go to smmw19.com. Find out all the different links that we talked about in this episode, socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. That'll bring up all the Saturday articles. And share this, and we will see you on next week's episode. Bye. Have a good day. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.